Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Good day listeners and welcome to another episode of the Steven Arjun Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Misuboy SG and Starshot Bakery. In the last episode, we discussed the review of the semi-final and also look ahead to the final. And now, on Monday evening, we finally have our new Euro 2020 winner. And it's Italy. <laughs> Apparently, football is not coming home this year. So, it was an enthralling game. Uh, some say it was very long. Some say it was very tactical. England dominated uh, England dominated the starting of the game. And, and they could have finished the game in the first half. Uh, but they invited Italy back. And um, Italy eventually equalized and won the game uh, through penalties. And today, we are going to dissect this game as well as touch on uh, as well as to touch on the Copa America final between Argentina and Brazil. And also, we would like to also talk about Gareth Southgate, the England manager. And joining me today in this podcast is my co-host Arjun. Arjun, welcome back. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back. Uh, finally, Euros is over. And yeah, now we'll be talking about Italy and England today. Yes, I'm so excited. We have so much to talk about today. And also, uh, welcome back our uh, long-time panel <laughs> for international football. Cedric, Cedric, welcome back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. And last but not least, um, Uday Sharma. Uday, yeah, welcome hi. back. How's everyone? <laughs> <laughs> we are good, we are good. It's a very okay, long I mean, final. Uh, huh? Very long final. Huh? It's a very long final and this will be so a really quite a long podcast as well. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be long for guys to match the final. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So let's jump uh, straight right into it. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like to start off by saying that this podcast strongly uh, stand against the racism abuse against Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, as well as Bukayo Saka. Um, whatever they do in the field is, after all, it's a game. It's a football game. And they didn't want to miss the penalty, and the racism against targeted against them is um is uh basically uncalled for. And yeah, Arjun, let's start off with you. Um, the game started off England started off brightly, looked short, scored a second second minute uh goal, and again this goal came from Harry Kane dropping deep, get uh, receiving the ball, and then spreading the play to the wings. So and then um slowly but surely then Italy started to come back into the game. And England could have finished off with some early chances they have. And Insignia also had two free kicks that went over the bar. There were they were um there was some argument because Insignia had to take a shot from from uh, a very long, very long, very long, uh, a very uh, far distance away from goal. Bonucci as well had to uh, had a long shot as well. What do you think that uh, made Italy win this game in the end? Um, I think. I mean, starting off, of course, like you mentioned, uh, England dominated the, I would probably say even up the entire first half. Uh, they started really brightly. Their second minute goal, I think it was entirely made by Luke Shaw. He had uh, some very neat uh, football, passed it to Harry Kane. Harry Kane spread it to Trippier. Trippier was at Acres on the right side um, and crossed it back and Luke Shaw was there to volley it home. 
yeah, I think overall it was a great goal. Like striker, a uh, wing back to striker, striker to wing back, and wing back to the other wing back to score. Uh, I think this was what Del Southgate envisioned when he chose this team and this system for the game against Italy. Uh, I think it was definitely a shock to Italy uh, how well England played with this system of wing backs. To be honest, before the match started, when I saw the lineup, I wasn't very confident about England dominating because I thought he started too many defenders. But as soon as the game started and judging by the first half, I thought England had this in the back. But then they made their mistake. Uh, I think I read a post that Cedric made that uh, England made a lot of sideways passes and things like that in the early matches. And that's what they should have done here after the first goal. And I completely agree. Here's where that was needed and they didn't do it. Here's where the Louis Menhau type of sideways passes football was needed. Just keep the ball. Keep the ball and Italy can't score. And when Italy tried to press you, then you counter-attack. That was, should have been the way forward. But England just surrendered the ball to Italy and tried to pack their defence uh, and tried to ride it out. But since they took the lead in the second minute, that was a long time to ride it out. And I think Italy had more than a deserved equaliser. Uh, and that by that point in the game, Italy started to really dominate. Uh, I think Bonucci and Cialini were in England's half as well, uh, trying to attack, peppering England's goal. Uh, yes, to, the, to England's credit, Italy didn't have too many shots on target, but Italy had so much of the ball. Uh, they had so many attacks that I think their uh, equalizer was definitely deserved. I was in fact surprised that the game went to penalties and that Italy didn't win it in uh, extra time itself. That was how much they dominated the game. Without going to the penalty shootout, um, I think I, I definitely agree with the common consensus that it was Gareth Southgate's uh, fault. I blame him. Uh, I don't think it was a good penalty order at all. Uh, the choice of penalty takers was bad. The first two takers were fine. Harry Kane and Harry Maguire, very experienced players, senior players, stepped up and delivered. Uh, Pickford even saved the penalty. That was really good. But Bashford and Sancho haven't played much. You just brought them on just before the penalty to take the penalty. That is not very common. Uh, I think you should have chosen someone like Jack Grealish, who... Uh, was there longer and he was a senior player to take uh, the penalty. And especially the biggest mistake of all is choosing Bukayo Saka to take the fifth penalty. I don't blame Saka at all. He was just 19. But there was a tremendous amount of pressure to put on a 19-year-old's shoulders, especially since he missed that penalty in England was out. Uh, yeah, so I think someone senior should have been chosen for the fifth spot. So this, it, it was, was kind of lucky for England that he went to penalty shootout but once it went there, I think Gareth Southgate lost England this tournament. So, yeah, that's how I saw this game. Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, Arjun. Uh, very well, very well put. Um, yeah, Uday, we talked about England dominating at the start of the start of the game, as well as uh, the early part of the second half. And also, I would like to point out that Sterling, there was a trip by Bonucci on Sterling um, near the byline, where, whereby he was tripped in the penalty area and no penalty was given. On the 48th minute, um, do you think this was a penalty? And and what what do you think about you know Gareth Southgate's choice of um, I, I don't really get you know substituting attacking players who haven't kicked a ball for 120 minutes just for them to kick the, such an important penalty kick. What are your thoughts on this, Uday? Two good questions. Um, the first one is that this one looked more of a penalty to me compared to the semi-final. Uh, match for Sterling and it definitely because he was pulling the shirt back and um, 
The second question that you brought up was that it is really strange to bring in two players who have not kicked the ball for a minute in the final and for what, maybe less than two games in the whole Euro tournament. I think Jaden Sancho had one full game and Marcus Rashford had a couple of cameos in between. Mm. So mm. I find it really weird that, that Gareth Southgate actually did that. They actually had players who could have taken a penalty. I think bringing off Henderson. I think Henderson's got a really good penalty, if I'm not mistaken as well. And it found it felt really weird that he did that. I think it was we were praising him at the start, the technical masterclass in against Germany. And I think this is a technical disaster by Gareth Southgate uh, doing all of this and putting exactly what Arjun said, putting a 19-year-old sounds like a terrible idea to begin with at the fifth penalty take. And it looked like it wasn't it was the manager's choice to do that. And there were other players like Grealish and Sterling who wanted to take it, but because the manager said, no, Saka is going to be the fifth penalty taker, that's, that's why uh, things crumbled for England. And that's why most probably the pressure went into Saka. That, mm. That's my answer. Okay. Thanks, Uday. I think the fact that Harry Maguire, a Manchester United central defender, can score a penalty Whereas Manchester United's regular penalty taker like Marcus Rashford, before Bruno Fernandes, that is, miss speaks volume. Because, you know, Maguire played for the 180 minutes the whole game and he can manage, he managed to score a wonderful penalty. Whereas uh, uh, Rashford missed. So it means that maybe he's not he's not warmed up yet or he's not, you know, he hasn't kicked a ball yet. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking about the penalty shootout, Cedric, does this remind you of Euro 1996 where a certain... Gareth missed the decisive penalty. That's the thing that puzzles me because of all the managers that could have made this mistake of putting Saka in as the uh, sudden death penalty taker, you would think that Gareth Southgate would be the one who, who wouldn't make that mistake. So I, I just find it weird. I don't know what went through his mind when he decided to do that because according to the interviews, he said that he, he looked around uh, training, he, he did all the practices and he chose the five best. So if Saka is in the five best, then okay, sure. But don't give him the fifth one, you know. Um, and then there, there are also interesting comments from uh, from Roy Keane saying, you know, if if you were a grown-up like, like a Grealish or a Sterling, what are you doing letting a 19-year-old take it before you? And we know that Sterling and Grealish aren't very prolific when it came yes. to... Uh, uh, wait, sorry, when it comes to uh, penalties, but yeah. come on, you, you can't, if, if someone has to be the fall guy, you as the senior should do it. You don't, you don't leave it to the, the juniors to, 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 to shoulder the burden. So uh, that part, I think uh, Southgate definitely deserves um, criticisms on. Uh, but besides the soccer thing, uh, bringing on Rashford and Sancho so late in the game, I understood why, because he was bringing them on to replace defenders when Italy was still attacking them. And so imagine if you take off Walker and you take off, uh, I forgot who the other person was, oh, Henderson, and you take off these people and uh, Italy still attacks you. You know, you, that's, when, uh, that's when Italy wins it in extra time and you don't even need to go penalty. So I understood why he, he waited that long. But what was mentioned just now uh, is true which is that, you know, these people, they haven't even touched the ball yet. They don't even uh, have 
uh, eye contact with Donna Donna Ruma. They don't know like how big he is, and and the first time they meet Donna Ruma is through a penalty shootout. You know, it doesn't work like that. You need to have a good grasp of how the pitch is like, uh, how the flow is like, what the yes. atmosphere is like before you can before you can actually uh, go on and score a penalty. So um, that was that was. Although I understood why, in hindsight, that was a poor choice of uh, substituting them in late. And it's not the first time England has done it. Like uh, back in 2006, uh, Sven Goran Eriksson did the same thing. He brought Jamie Carragher on because Jamie Carragher was supposed to take penalties uh, as uh, England were drawing with uh, po- uh, Portugal. And Carragher went on to miss that penalty too. <laughs> so yes. uh, I guess England never learns. Uh, different managers, same, 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 uh, same problems. Yeah, I think when you do it in the last minute, it's a masterstroke. If, if, it pulls, if it pulls off, it's successful, it's a masterstroke. Like how Team Crew did it for, for Netherlands in the 2014 yep. World Cup. Yeah, but That's if right. you fail, then... 2010 World Cup, actually. Uh, no, 14. Team okay. Crew, 2014. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, I think one more point I want to add is that, um, to be honest, in the English squad I'm looking now, uh, they don't have uh, so much of a or so many designated penalty taker for their club. I've written down a list of uh, the top six club, you know, the penalty takers now. Salah, Bruno Fernandes, Jorginho, Harry Kane, KDB, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. These are the primary penalty takers for the clubs, for the top six clubs. And the only English guy in there is Harry Kane. Whereas if you compare maybe 10 years ago, um, we have Gerard for Liverpool, Lampard for Chelsea, Wayne Rooney for MU, James Milner for City, uh, Robin, Robin Van Persie for Arsenal, and Steven Ireland for Manchester City. So out of these six players, four of them are English. Yeah, so you can see that there's a difference in terms of a uh, 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 shift in penalty taking, you know. We are no longer English. During the 2006 World Cup, I remember that game that Cedric mentioned against Portugal. When Hargrave took it, when Gerard took it, when Frank took it, there was a certain level of confidence that I had in them, even though they did miss in the end. But, I, you know, they had the aura and the confidence that, you know, uh, for the fans, uh, that they can score and they will score. Yeah, so in, in, in this sense, you know, when uh, I watched the penalty shootout, when uh, three of them, they had, they had a little bit of mistake. Firstly, uh, Rashford, he, he, he ran out and then he, he hesitated a bit, you know, he, he, he shuffled a bit. And then he, he uh, you know, he, he, he lost his momentum. Sancho had a very short run out. And also the, the ball wasn't very strike, um, strike uh, strongly. And Saka just looked very, uh, he's not confident at all, you know, from his body language and his face. Yeah, so... And actually uh, that's the thing about penalty mm, shootouts is because your, your, the first ball you kick shouldn't be a penalty. You should get a weight of the ball. That's how. We, that's why you had to play the game, so you know the weight of the ball, and you know like uh, uh, uh whether you're on form today in terms of like your kicking and whatnot. So mm. like, if your first kick is a penalty, it your body is not ready for it, and so uh, throughout the whole uh throughout the whole game, even uh when Saka mm. came on, he was he he wasn't on form. Like even mm. throughout the whole game, he was giving balls away. He wasn't linking up well. Like Jack Grealish sometimes slid him some good passes that he that he didn't uh, do well with, which I don't blame him for. You know, everyone has those days. But after after all that happening, the fact that you know 
Southgate still said, okay, no, but these are my five best penalty takers. You have to be able to adapt and see, you know, if people are not having the best of days, maybe that's yes. not the time to let them take a penalty. And I can even go back to 2006 where Lampard wasn't having a good game against Portugal mm-hmm. and uh, they still let him take the penalty and miss. So uh, it, that's why the game is so important. It's not just about the penalties. You, it's how the player has played throughout the whole game as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Cedric. Yeah, like you had to be flexible, like, in a sense. Mm, you know, yeah. I, I feel that I feel that uh, I feel that uh, Southgate took an unnecessary risk in terms of doing this kind of last minute substitution. Um, you know, if Henderson took it and missed, you know, they, they may not be so much complain. You know, if uh, players like Grealish took it and missed, you know, uh, it will be less complain than if you did the substitution. And also, I want to point out that if you sub in a keeper at the last minute. A keeper is during when it comes to penalty shootout, a goalkeeper is not uh, expected to save the penalties. But if you save it, it's good, you know, it's wonderful. But for players taking the penalty kick, they are expected to score. So you so it's best if you don't take the risk of substituting a, 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 a you know, just warm up player to and where it's his only one first and only touch is the penalty kick. You know, it's too risky for that, I feel. Yeah, no, so right. um right. Yeah, um all right, um Arjun, Italy worthy winner of these Euros? Definitely. Um I think we've been praising Italy from the beginning. Uh they breeze through their group games. Uh yes, they had some wobbly moments throughout the knockout stages. Uh but I think overall they've played pretty well. The only match which I would say so far that Italy weren't worthy winners was the match against Spain, which we discussed in one of the previous episodes. But other than that, I think every single match, Italy has been the worthy winner. So on that count, um, Italy has definitely been the best team of the tournament. So I don't think uh, there's any question as to whether they deserve it. Yeah, good point, Arjun. And um, Cedric, um, I remember you talked about you know the game between Belgium and Italy, and you said whoever wins this game wins the Euro. And indeed, you're right. Italy won the game, and they won the Euros. Yeah. So because uh, that was the harder part of the draw. So if uh, if you're able to uh, get past that that part of the draw, uh, no one on the other side can really really trouble you. Like, yes, uh, Italy was troubled by England the first few minutes. I wouldn't even say the first half. Like, I think the English media has, has been very kind to say England dominated the first half. I don't think mm. so. Uh, I think it's just the first, first half of the first half, if, if I'm being, if I'm being uh, very <laughs> generous. Um, but yeah, uh, the fact is that they are the best team in the tournament. So yeah, uh, although momentum was with England, it would be quite an injustice that uh, England would win this tournament. Uh, if they if they actually held on to that one nil uh, score, so uh, justice uh, best team uh, won the best. Uh, sorry, the best team won the the competition. So yeah, no complaints from me. Yeah. Okay. Good point, uh, Cedric. There. Um. Ude, uh, Jorginho and Emerson for Ballon d'Or. We were talking a lot about uh, England's penalty and what how England played, and I honestly wanted to talk about Italy as well. Were they worthy winners throughout the whole tournament? Yes, they were. Were they worthy winners in the game? I thought up to the point where Roberto Mancini made substitutions of introducing Brian Cristante and Domenico Berardi, that is when it shifted towards Italy's favour. And then even at the end where 
if I'm not mistaken, that Kiliani fouled one of the English players. That is when you could see the tide slowly moving towards Italy. So there were really good tactical moves. And even Immobile was playing at a more of a reserve role. I think if I'm not mistaken, even Immobile was substituted. Can someone correct me if I was wrong here? Or was it yep. Insigne? Uh, Belotti, Belotti yeah. came in for him. Yes, because of him being uh, playing as a deeper role and not being as a forward. So these were the little, little things that started shifting towards uh, Italy's favour. Uh, that is my answer with regards to that. Even the Jorginho miss when it happened, it looked really weird. And you thought that this is it. I think Italy might still win it because of Donnarumma and how yeah. Saka was going to... He, look, he didn't look very confident, so... I don't think that helped Italy to win the fact that Jorginho missed, but I think it was because Saka was the final penalty taker, you kind of knew that somehow Italy was going to win it because of his lack of experience and his age. And that is my analysis for <laughs> Italy winning the yeah. game. I, I, I like this final because like both teams were on the verge of winning and both teams were on the verge of losing, you know? Like yes. how... Yes. Yeah, you're you right. get what I mean? Yeah, Jorginho yes. was going to win it then Giorgino missed the penalty. Then Belotti was the person who missed for Italy. And then, you know, the stadium erupted, you know, thinking yeah, that they would exactly. win the, the, the... Yeah. Exactly. When Harry Maguire scored. And then, uh, even yeah. when Marcus Rashford missed the so there was a huge draw as well. So, what a... I have to say, though, yeah, uh, Maguire's penalty was very good. Yeah, definitely. Maguire games were pretty good. Very spot on. I like that Maguire smashed the camera. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, that, was really, that was really funny. I think Maguire smashing the camera, Jaden Sancho and Rashford, Rashford missing the penalty and also Jorginho, they just made me laugh throughout the whole penalty shit. I was just laughing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Harry Maguire's penalty. So confident. I mean, for a centre-back to do that in a final, Euro final, I think it's really good. Yeah, very good. All right. Um... Let us move on now to the let's touch on touch on a bit on on the uh, Copa America final, the Argentina against Brazil. And the last episode we did a, a small preview or a short preview of this final, and eventually it did turn out how we predicted. You know, um, <laughs> it's a bit of self praise here, but I did say that if Argentina managed to breach the Brazil defense, which has not considered a goal since the knockout round, then they might stand a chance, and they did. Um, I'm very happy for uh, Messi. To finally win an international trophy, I don't support Barcelona and I don't support Argentina. I just feel, as a neutral football fan, I feel that, you know, uh, seeing so much, he has gone through so much heartbreak, two times Copa America final, uh, sorry, three times Copa America final and one time of the World Cup final that he, he lost out at, at second place. And finally seeing him winning a trophy, lifting it up, um, um, it, feels, it feels happy, you know, uh, as a football fan in general. Yeah, so for this match, I feel... Um, there was a very high line played by Brazil. If you look at the highlights, even the goal that came from a long pass from the back, Engel uh, uh, Di Maria called out, called out the Brazil high line, went behind and chipped over the, the, uh, the goalkeeper, Ederson, Ederson, who was in a no-man's land when he rushed out. Yeah, and, and then soon after that, um, uh, Argentina controlled the match. Um, Brazil had a few chances here and there. Uh, Fred got an early yellow card, and that's why uh, Brazil coach Tite Sub in uh, Roberto Firmino and uh, during the halftime, uh, to uh, sub up Fred and sub in Roberto Firmino and I make a very bold attacking move, 
but still the the defense too strong. Uh, I have to say, you know, Emiliano Martinez was in inspired form after his three penalty save in the semi-final, and here he kept out um he kept out Gabriel Barbosa as well as well as Neymar. There were a few shots from Lucas Paqueta as well, where where um Martinez managed to 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 keep it up from the Argentina goal, and yeah, shout out to to you know Messi for finally winning his first international trophy. Um. Uday, anything to add? I think you summarized it very well. I think it was a very slow-paced game and yes. it was very Mourinho-esque from Argentina in which they had fewer shots compared to Brazil. But Nicolas Otomendi, Martinez and the Argentinian defense played a huge and crucial part to make sure that they kept momentum and win the match. Even Angel Di Maria's goal, like you said, was brilliantly taken by Di Maria. He chipped it over the goalkeeper. It was superb. I I have another... We should have another podcast about how Manchester United messed up Angel Di Maria's transfer. But that should be another podcast altogether. That's fine. Um, I'm really upset at that. And basically, congratulations. And Edison, what a... What a goalkeeper as well. Uh, I think he kept, he kept a few clean sheets before the final and he at least kept Brazil alive in this game. Yes. Congratulations to Messi and Argentina for winning their first trophy since 1993. So that's great. Wow. Um, not Messi since 1993, but Argentina at least. Also, um, yeah, that was basically, I have, I have to speak about the match. Nothing major happened because it was a very slow-paced game. Anyone else? Yeah, I think, any- I think, yeah, the yeah. fact that there's no fans and then, you know, make it very slow pace, and then it's just a one new, one one kind of thing, you know. I actually had a yeah. question to ask Stephen. So, since we are on the topic oh. of Copa America, and uh, specifically talking about Brazil, so, Liverpool players, Alisson, Fabinho, and Roberto Firmino, um, haven't featured regularly in Brazil's starting eleven. I think, sure, there's Copa America. So, do you think that was a good decision by Brazil? Or do you think... Um, I think the, I think the fact that... Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I have to say, um, okay, uh, okay, let's go player by player, okay? So we have three players here. Edison was really on form for City this, this past season, you know? Uh, he was a Golden Glove winner. City won the league. And, and you know, him starting over Alisson, I have, I have no, no, no complaints, you know? Um, Fabinho. I have to say, I, um, I, I, feel, that, I feel that Fabinho should, should start over Fred, to be honest. Fabinho and Casemiro as the CDM, you know, would, would be better in terms of uh, providing that defensive cover for, for the aging Thiago Silva. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no biasness towards, you know, towards Manchester United or what, but just that Casemiro is the, you know, um, uh, zero winner with Madrid experience. So I feel that, you know, Fabinho should, 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 should um, complement him well. Whereas on the other hand for Roberto Firmino, um, yeah, I, I don't get I, I don't get why 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 Tite start Richarlison over him, you know. He <laughs> think, people online are saying that constantly yeah. uh Gabriel Jesus and Richarlison have been ahead of Firmino, right, in the pecking order. Which is quite a, yes. a little bit odd as well. Yes, yes, yes. They they have, they have. And if I'm not wrong, the fact that uh Richarlison, yeah, he he hasn't been performed well throughout the knockout stages. So, 
So whereas when Roberto Finomo come out, then he 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 did he did you know how to say contribute in terms of attacking you know string uh he, he can play well with Neymar and yeah so yeah I I don't understand why but but yeah I'm I'm happy as a Liverpool fan I'm happy that they they don't play that much you know they are well rested they can come back to Liverpool and then you know start the season off fresh again yeah okay all right yeah <laughs> okay. Um, Cedric, anything to add on Copa America? Oh, I can't because I didn't watch. <laughs> it's not. It's not an Astro. <laughs> but uh, I'll just want to add on to what you say about being a Liverpool fan and being happy. I actually have a Liverpool friend who was rooting against England because England uh uh injured uh, uh Alexander Arnold. <laughs> so so the whole tournament he was just rooting against England. <laughs> I I was quite happy. I mean, like I don't mind, you know, because given the fact that he got the rest, he. You know, he got the rest. But he end. got injured now, <laughs> so we're not even sure if he can start the season. Like, uh, I think, I think he can. I, I, I think he, he can. can. Yeah, yeah. yeah let, let me check and update you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why he 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 was he's, he he was rooting against England the whole time because uh, yeah. uh they they messed uh, Alexander Arnold up. Yeah, I I think it wasn't a major injury, but it was okay. an injury uh big enough for him to miss the you know immediate mm. few weeks leading to the yeah. tournament. Yeah. Ben White's the happiest about that injury. <laughs> yeah, now let's let us move on to the next topic, which is Gareth Southgate keep or sack. You know, um, yeah, it might it might surprise a few people that, that we are maybe we are crazy, you know, we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, you know, sacking Gareth Southgate at this juncture. But um yeah, I just want to get the topic rolling, you know, yeah, yeah, uh the discussion going, you know. Uh given the fact that England took the lead in the World Cup semi-final. And he also took the lead in the Euro final um yesterday, but you know they they kind of bottled it. You know it's like <laughs> sounds like Spurs, but you know Cedric. Excuse me. So <laughs> I'll leave yeah, this. But... <laughs> <laughs> so at this juncture, and also and also the the you know the semi final for the Nations League as well. Yeah, um, Cedric, what do you think about Gareth Southgate now? You know, you keep him until the next World Cup, or you know, he, you know, the game management of of Gareth Southgate is maybe not that good. What do you think? I think that it's incredibly harsh if you get rid of Southgate now. It would be like getting rid of Roberto Di Matteo after that Champions League win, and or like getting rid of Pochettino after reaching that UCL final. Like you know that he's taking you as far as you can, and you know that the road you need someone else to freshen up the squad. But it's going to be a very difficult uh, a decision. And, you know, if the English FA does decide to take it, you know, I guess it is the right decision. But it's not going to be an easy decision. And, and I, I can make the argument that, uh, that he should have stayed. Because the thing is, there is progress with uh, Southgate. You know, semi-finals, now final. Hopefully, maybe uh, in, their, in their case, that they win the World Cup in 2022. But um, if you ask me, is there... Because, yeah, it's fine and dandy to say sex Southgate. But who would you bring in? Like, is there a big manager, English manager, to come in to replace Southgate? And uh, I think the answer is no. Because if you sex Southgate, you're going to bring in somebody that you may like. You may bring in like an Eddie Howe or a Glenn Potter who, who would attack more. But again, those they don't have as much experience as Southgate either. So, you know, how, how much of a risk is that for, 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 uh, 
for England. And then if you're saying, okay, maybe not go for an English manager, let's go, uh, let's go foreign again. Let's go the Sven Goran Eriksson route and Capello. And uh, yeah, you go that route, you're going to alienate the players again. Like there's a lot of uh, stories about how uh, players hated playing under Eriksson and uh, Capello. Like a, Ben Foster did like a whole 10 minute segment on why Fabio Capello is the worst manager he has ever played for. To the point that he actually retired from England because of Capello. So, and, and because a foreign manager won't understand the English way of doing things, like they're so strict in their own ways, you don't understand the culture, it can, it can hurt you. So, are there bad managers in Southgate? Yes. But to sack him now, after he reached the final, that's, that's incredibly harsh. So, yeah, for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sack him. But uh, if England decides to sack him, there better be a good reason. There better be like a really good manager that they are sacking Southgate for. Yeah, I get, I get your point, Cedric. But the fact is that uh, over the past three years, 2018 until now, England were in three major semi-finals slash finals. Against Croatia, they took the lead uh, through the Trippier free kick. They lost that game. Against Netherlands in the semi-final Nations League, they took the lead through a retro penalty. They lost that game. And yesterday, against Italy, they took the lead through Luke Shaw and they lost that game. It probably shows that his game management-wise and, game management wise and in terms of making the right decision at crucial times it's probably not up to par as, you know, those old wise managers like Jose Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson. Arjun, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think both of you definitely have good points. Um, I do I, I do lean uh, more towards Cedric though, because I do feel like uh, with Gareth Southgate, the biggest difference has been the players' unity, uh, but also the fact that he has worked with a lot of them throughout the age groups. Uh, a lot of play, the players already know his working style. And I think the likes of Rio Ferdinand, uh, Wayne Rooney, even Steven Gerrard, they've mentioned why the Golden Generation never worked. It's because they couldn't keep their club rivalries aside when they meet up for England. But that is something Southgate has successfully done with this group of players, uh, that they can put their club rivalries aside and even be good friends when they are on duty for England. So I think that is the biggest thing that Southgate has given England that no other manager has given England so far at least in the last uh, 20, 20 plus years. So mm. just for that reason alone, I think it would be harsh to set uh, Southgate. What more so that he did reach the final. Yes, he can be frustrating at times. He can be technically naive at times. Uh, there might be better coaches for those particular occasions. Like as soon as England reach the final, you might want to bring Jose Mourinho in and he will be a better fit just yes. for the final. Yes. But yes. overall, I don't think that would be a good solution. I think you still need a Gareth Southgate to bring you to the final. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with Sergei. I think it would be very, very harsh to sack him right now um, because I think he has done a lot of good things for England. So, uh, I think he should stay around at least until the next World Cup. Yeah, okay, I get what you mean. But um, the point is that, okay, my point is that England did do well, okay, in terms of result. Well, if you say that England um, finished in two semi. England had two semi-final finish and one final finish over the past three years is an amazing result. But the fact that they couldn't have they could have gotten it gotten more, you get what I mean? And um and and you know, and at a crucial po- uh, crucial point in time, they did got an advantage in that the respective semi-final and final. But you know, he lost it in the end. And and I just want to remind everybody is that 
when Gareth Southgate replaced Roy Hodgson in 2016, he was also a nobody. Yeah, so I, I feel that there's, there, there, there are young English managers out there like Eddie Howe, uh, Frank Lampard is out of job now, you know, um, that can come in and also do as good a job as Southgate did. Um, Uday, what are your thoughts? Uh, very well said that England have been consistently playing up there and we might, I think, Stephen, you're looking at a bit too harsh in a way that, just look at Pep Guardiola for Man City in which they went to the final of a Champions League for the first time after how many years? I don't know. I don't think it's the first time ever. And even after going there, we all assumed that he was going to win it. But he was afraid. He did his, I don't know, tactical mind games. And because of that, he lost the final. This might have happened to Gareth Southgate. This is the first time he might be in a final with an English team who has been consistently proving that they are really good. Should they sack him? I kind of good, uh, agree with Stephen and Arjun that it's a bit too early to sack him. If someone like Bielsa or Pochettino might be available, then yeah, go ahead and sack him and get Bielsa or Pochettino. But Bielsa isn't going to leave Leeds. Poch, I don't know what, where his future lies. So I think I kind of agree with Arjun and Steven indicating that he should stay along up to the... Arjun and Cedric. Arjun and Cedric. Yeah, sorry, Arjun and Cedric. Um, indicating that he stay on a bit longer with regards to until the World Cup and then see what they do after that. Because even he himself said that he's not too sure what's going to happen into his future after the World Cup. So let's just see what he does and see how he goes and after that, make a proper decision. Yeah, good point, good point. Alright, I think you all convinced me there. <laughs> okay, uh, Cedric, anything else to add in uh, where we as we round out this tournament? I just want to ask, uh, uh, among the names that you uh, gave just now, if, if let's say English FA consulted you and uh, they, they took your advice and they got rid of, uh, they got rid of Southgate, like who's your, who's your pick? Amongst Bielsa, Pochettino, uh, Mourinho, and the other big names. Or, yeah, or even the English managers that you mentioned just yeah, now, like yeah, uh, yeah. Eddie Howe and Frank Lampard. Yeah. Um, Cause I... uh, okay, I, I get your point that, you know, uh, you know, foreign manager versus English manager may not, may not, uh, you know, foreign manager, foreign, foreign manager may not fit well in terms of the English setup, you know, the England setting. So, so yeah, yeah. I'll probably go with a young English manager, somebody like Southgate, but somebody more, I would say, experienced than Southgate. Because uh, if we remember correctly, if I remember correctly, Southgate was from the England U21. And he yes. was the coach of Middlesbrough. And he was sacked by Middlesbrough in the end. Yep. Yeah, so... so, so yeah, he Southgate relegated came... Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. So when Southgate came in, I actually had doubts, you know, when he replaced Roy Hodgson. Like, um, this guy... That, that, usually you see uh, managers uh, being successful in clubs or have experience, a lot of experience in club football. Then only they move into international football. But this subject, he is like a rookie in terms of international football. So, so I had my doubts, you know. But okay, la, okay I, I get your point. In the end, he did manage to, you know. Uh, after all, he also, like, his age gap with the, with the players is maybe not that far. He can communicate with the player well. Mm-hmm. That maybe there, there isn't any generation gap there. So probably my, 
my I would say if if FA consulted me, probably I'll go with Frank Lampa, given the the good work he done with the mm. uh, Derby County, and also he managed in um Chelsea, a big club, um in Champions League as well, and and himself being a Champions League winner, a successful English player, um it helps as well, you know, being a zero winner, a zero winner, Gareth Southgate. If I remember correctly, his playing career is is mediocre. Yeah, so 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 that, that that's my well, choice. Huh? <laughs> I mean, he's he's a good player. He did he did as he's he's a good pro. Like uh, he he's been around the EPL, uh, and he uh, as he only got relegated as a manager. He I don't think he got relegated as a player ever. And he his uh his club spanned from like Middlesbrough to Villa, you know. So it's a palace, uh, yeah. yeah. So a good solid defender, but yeah, I I I think Frank Lampard can do a good job. It's just very harsh if you if you let him do it now, <laughs> but yeah, if if Lampard is manager, probably Mason Mount and Rhys James can get more game time too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, all right, I think we covered quite well in this episode in terms of the you know finale of the Euros so as a Copa, as well as Gareth Southgate as a manager. Um. Yeah, listeners, if you have any comment for our episode, please do leave us a DM. My Instagram handle is at Stephen underscore Rod underscore on. Arjun's Instagram handle is at Ruven Arjun. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by Mr. Boy SG and Starstruck Bakery. Cedric, thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for having me back again, Stephen and Arjun. No problem. Uday, thank you for joining, joining us as well. You're welcome. Hashtag say no to racism. That's it. Yes. 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 Agree, agree. <laughs> Listeners, stay tuned for the next episode as we talk about our preferred starting lineup of Euro 2020, our player of the tournament, as well as the captain of the tournament. In the meantime, stay safe and bye bye. <laughs>